Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. This is Paul Hawksby. And this is Max Rushton. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, of course, we built up to uh, the games involving England and Scotland in the Euros tonight. Uh, author and football writer Jonathan Wilson was here. We looked at the tournament overall and the format of it, and he had some interesting stuff to say, didn't he? Yeah, the point. What is the point? Yeah, what is the point yeah. of it? So we got the, down to the fundamentals. What is the point of tournament football? Anyway, hope you enjoy that. Christian Volney joined us. He is a Danish football uh, journalist. He was in the stadium last night in Copenhagen for that amazing result against uh, Russia uh, we'll hear from him and uh, we spoke to a guy called David Little a Scotland fan who had a bit of a quirky yes, idea a around this quest. year a good quest on. yeah an epic quest okay well here it all is <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Max. Nice to see you again. It's been a couple of well, it, a week and a bit, yeah, hasn't it? It has. Yeah. I very much enjoyed uh, you and Andy out on mm. the road. I don't know if you've thought about working together yeah, before, well, but I think you've got a real chemistry. Of, you know? kind of clicked. Yeah, uh, yeah it really did you, work. You know how to push Andy's buttons, which are not <laughs> difficult, obviously. So, yeah, it was really good. I mean, that before we... We will talk a lot about England, of course, today, but I thought that Denmark... We were just chatting before we were on air. That 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 moment where the crowd thought that Belgium had scored yeah. and then went wild, and then that goal they you know it filtered through that that was disallowed for that really tight offside, and then Russia got a penalty, and it was yeah. sort of what tournament football is about. And I think you know there, no one would people. I'm not the first to say it, but no one would begrudge Denmark. Everybody wants Denmark to do something or do yeah. well. Apart Although from it's the Welsh now. Well, it's now you know obviously when it comes down to it, um, I, we've got sort of skin in the game with a lot of these Welsh players. They play for our clubs. We know them, and you know I, I'm, I'm delighted Denmark got through. It was a great story, but I want Wales to win at yeah. the weekend. Well, I suppose I'll see. I think I do, but sometimes you know you <laughs> sit because last night because I thought the Finns put up such snout defence, didn't they? Yeah, against yeah. against uh, uh, Belgium, especially that lad. Uh, Arayuru, the guy who just grins manically through yeah, the whole yeah. game like he's won a he competition. He very finished, doesn't he? <laughs> during yeah. the anthem. No. Do you notice during the anthem they just stayed on him because he was so happy that they yeah. didn't get they didn't get down the whole team yeah. because he was so happy. Then he took one in the undercrackers and then he was still like, absolutely <laughs> still delighted. Smart. That might have been a grimace. <laughs> it might have the, been. Um, yeah, the, so that, the Denmark game as we all know, those who the, the, the watched or switched over when they realised there was something going on on BBC 2, it was a fantastic match. I know there's some lovely moments and Chris 
Christian Volney was there and he'll join us later on. He sent us a great little video uh, of that moment. They were all standing in the middle of the pitch. I think everybody felt they were probably they were probably getting Christian Eriksen on FaceTime, but they weren't. <laughs> they were getting live score up so they could see that the Belgium game was over and they were definitely through. Yeah, I had a lovely message from John because you noticed that, you know, Russ Den was trending. It's very close to me trending for oh, the yeah. first time. Max Russ Den, um, yeah. Uh, John said, I saw you trending. I thought you'd won a birthday spread and got all precious about it. <laughs> Sadly not. The humiliation will continue after the years. It'll continue on Thursday. Thursday, oh yeah, we'll squeeze John. one in. It's a rest day, so we're allowed that, I think. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it was a wonderful... And that Christensen, I mean, you know that phrase, you know, the sort of... When they say the, the crowd sucked in the ball, you know, yeah. the, it was sucked into there. It felt like that with that Christensen strike. It was so p- pure, wasn't it? Yeah, the first goal was a corker as yeah, well. Wasn't it? The Very Russian... little backlift, as they like to say yeah, in football I, circles. And, and he did really well, Damsgaard, as well, considering he's come in for Ericsson and yeah. he's got this huge reputation. And I think he's he's had one sort of reasonable season at St. Dory. The but... good thing is, it'll be a good match because yeah. Denmark are very front foot. They're an exciting team to watch, and Wales are as well. I think it's going to be a really good game there. And they got, he had Hoy Bear with a bandage, Kiefer Moore with a bandage. Bandages yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it was good. It was 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 wonderful. Now we have to think about, you know, a a soulless one-all draw at Wembley. You've got hope. You've got hope. I am. I'm very very hopeful tonight. I think England, I'm I'm fancying a bit of uh, 2-0. 2-0-3-1. I'm feeling very confident this evening they'll get the job done. You know, the producer was quite surprised I was so confident based on what exactly, but... I, just, I think we're better than them. I know they beat us uh, over there, but I think we'll, I think we'll win tonight. Yeah. Um, interesting to see who... Really interesting to see who, who Southgate selects. Most of the papers suggesting that Bellingham will come in for Mount, and I do want to see Bellingham, but I quite, I'd quite like to see Bellingham deeper yeah. in place of one of Rice or Phillips, and then Grealish in there with Foden, and I would play Sancho as well. But look, we're, yeah. all, we're all the England manager, aren't we? All, I mean, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. I've said this before. I've said it at the weekend that... What I think is interesting about this England squad is there are very few players that would get in every single person's starting eleven, hmm. right? Because everyone, maybe John Stones, maybe Jordan Pickford because he started well on form and ability. So some people want to drop Harry Kane. Some people think that's a ridiculous idea. Yeah. That everyone's got different ideas for who the fullback should be and who the holding midfielder should be. Because the squad is... It's got lots of very good players. They're all about as good as each other. Mm. And I think Gareth Southgate must look at it and go, God, I wish I just had seven that were just automatic starters. Yeah. It'd make his life a bit easier. Um, if Maguire comes back in tonight, mm-hmm. which I think it looks like he might, I mean, there is that worry that if you just sling him straight into a game against Germany as his first run out, that's not a great idea, no. is it? But it's unfortunate for Mings, who's played really well in these two games. Yeah. And you'd but have to play Maguire on the left of the two. When we had that set up with Bellingham and Rice, we did see a, a few times, what game was it? Was that the Austria game? It wasn't. It was the game after the Austria game. We played... What's that? Very the, good other, question. the other friendly. Who did we play in the in other the, friendly? In the other Just friendly. before the Euro. So two weeks. There's been a lot of football since. Is, they did create lots of chances and a lot of that was when Bellingham was bombing on from that position. Mm. So there is a slight concern. But anyway, look, we'll, we'll see. He's a good player and he offers a threat going forward and that was the thing. We don't need... Two sitting in every game uh, all the time. So uh, we'll see what they do. I, I think we kind of will need to... Maybe we'll talk to Jonathan about this, who's joining us in a few moments' time. But you do sort of need to know what went on uh, in this situation that Chilwell and Mount 
find themselves isolating up to 10 days. It probably can't be what happened on the pitch. It has to be something that happened off the pitch. There's all this talk that they had a long chat in the tunnel. They just embraced. But, they had a game of kabaddi in the, in, in the tunnel, and that was the well, problem. Well, their level of contact, it makes you think that the three of them went into a cupboard and hugged each other for 20 <laughs> minutes, because that seems to constitute more contact than being on a coach with Billy Gilmore, probably being in the in, in the setup afterwards, um, in Middlesbrough, giving Billy Gilmore numerous hugs for his brilliant performance. That's all fine, apparently. Lots of 14-minute games of table tennis. Yeah. And then suddenly, 14-minute, okay. 58, they go, split. That's it. Now you can't. Well, so, Matt, look, I don't want Scotland to lose any no, more players no. either, but I would just love to know the circumstances in which these two players have had to sit this game. Is this... Is this a, a public relations thing of, um, you know, uh, uh, this idea that we have to double down on this now? Now the cat's out of the bag. It looked bad to the nation that these two players who may or may not have had contact suddenly are told they can play. Well, people say, oh, it's double standards. It's one rule for football, one rule for everybody else. It doesn't mean it's right, but it, it looks like we've been incredibly belt and braces about this. Uh, or are the players being punished for breaking the protocol? Well, Should they not have spoken to another player? For twenty, I don't. This is why I think we need some explanation. Twenty minutes seems quite a long time after a game, doesn't it? Yeah. Say, Cheers, mate. Well played, and then back to your yeah. own dressing room, and then go to bed. But you and Murray, the Guardian's Scottish football correspondent, and Matt Ford, who's very jingoistically English, yeah. big England fan, uh, are having a sort of row on Twitter about this. And Barry's Glenn Denning is is in this conversation. But basically, the, is Matt, he separating? Not, him? He's saying, Look, yeah, boys, it's not worth it. But it's he's, not. He's not worth it. But yeah. he's not getting too close to separate them, obviously, right, okay. because yeah. then they'd all have to isolate. But but you know, Baz stopped saying that. There's nothing daft about asking the question. Exactly the question yeah. that you've asked. You need to but know, don't you? There are protocols in place that allow teams to travel, to train, to stay in hotels, to share dressing rooms. That is how we have had football for the last fifteen months. Mm. Okay, and and clearly, or well, we can only presume that Gilmore. Chilwell and Mount broke those protocols, and that's what happened. Well, that's why we need to know. And surely there's someone within the setups of the SFA and the FA to um, monitor that. You yeah. would think yeah. and say, lads, you know, think about the protocols, etc. Maybe they've been dobbed in by someone at UEFA. There's thousands of blazers, Iago like, lurking in the shadows, waiting to dob you in at any UEFA game. So that's quite possible as well. But uh, an explanation would be nice, I think, okay. uh, as to what is exactly one, would be gone on. If you can tell, if you were there. Um, let us know. Uh, but um, one of the things I want to get you going on um, very quickly, uh, this is a rugby story. We'd like to hear from you this afternoon. Tom Youngs uh, has got a two-week ban and a fine. And also, because he had to go at a referee, he said a referee wasn't strong enough with a bit of an expletive in there. But not only that, uh, quite um, creatively, um, they have decided to make him do a referee's course to mm. appreciate the role of the official and then referee two kids' games. So, not just the fine, not just the ban, referee two kids' games after you've done a referee's course. And that is quite a creative punishment. So we're interested. Uh, of wait, Maybe the ones you handed out or, or, were, uh, or were given, but pun- punishments you've come across, uh, creative ones in the past. Did we have a couple of those? A couple of those. The Tin Booney in primary school. Myself and a friend wouldn't stop talking in class. The supply teacher in charge punished us by sending us outside to play in the sun. That got us told. Uh, John says... That's back- quite dangerous. Yeah. You couldn't do that yeah. now, could back, you? Back in the 80s when... 
child ridicule was seen as character forming, I was caught messing about in the school gym by our teacher. I was made to stand outside the staff room for the rest of the day with a bean bag on my head. <laughs> Never did me any harm, <laughs> this says is the John. Thing. There's kids listening today saying, oh, you couldn't do that now. Oh, no, they didn't think twice in those days, kids. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Jonathan Wilson is with us, uh, football writer and uh, author, and you're writing at the weekend about the format of this tournament, Jonathan. We got a kind of night last night where you looked at the games initially and thought yeah, not much is going to come out of that, but we got all the excitement of, of the Denmark game. So, what did you make of what do you make of the tournament and the format generally? I hate the format. Um, so, five years ago in, in France, I, I sort of thought that what I hated was the, the, the bloatedness of the competition. I, the, I saw there were too many weak teams there. And if you look at, for, for that tournament, if you look at the best 16 qualifiers, and you look at the 16 teams who got to the last 16, there's only one difference. So we spent, what, 36 games swapping Hungary for Austria five years ago. And that felt pretty futile to me. <laughs> um, this time it hasn't felt as bad. I think the football's been generally of a higher standard. I think it's been more attacking. It's been more entertaining. But I still hate the format. Mm. Um, I just don't like uh, when you're comparing across groups. I think best runner-up is a, is a really... Um, it's just a concept that leads it, it, it loses integrity from from the sport. So, for instance, we knew yesterday the the Finland Belgium game. Although weirdly, it was never mentioned on the BBC commentary. I don't know why, but we knew because Ukraine had lost early in the day that if Finland drew, they were through. Mm. They, you know, they might be second in the group, or they might be one of the best third place teams. Because they knew that Switzerland had four points and a minus one goal difference. They knew Ukraine had three points. And Finland drawing would have given them four points and a zero goal difference. So better than two others, therefore one of the best four, therefore they go through. Mm-hmm. And that, I'm sure, conditioned the Finnish approach. And if, if you watch that game first hour, nothing happens. Uh, there's one shot from Doku and that's it. Yeah. And then slowly Belgium begin to assert themselves. And you can see Lukaku getting more and more worked up because he was obviously desperate to help himself and <laughs> you know, get, get some cheap goals for the golden boot. Uh, but nobody else was sort of moving. So that game was was very, very flat, at least until the, the Belgians had taken the lead. But it's just fundamentally unfair on, on a number of levels. So the fact Finland knew a draw would be enough, and Group D, Group E, Group F, they know what they have to do, exactly what they have to do, mm-hmm. uh, which is an advantage that teams in Groups A and B just, just don't have. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, you might know that if you lose by one goal fewer, in you, if you're in Group F... Then you go through. So you, you, know, you, you push that much harder. You might know a draw is enough. You don't have to press for the win, and that clearly conditions how you play. But it also means that the you almost get doubly punished for having a difficult draw. Yeah. So if you're if you're hungry, for instance, and you've got Portugal, France, and, and Germany, then not only are you not likely to get in the top two, but if you do finish third somehow, you're probably not going to have as many points as a team in a in a weaker group who might draw and win a game. So. I just, How do we fix it? Do, I mean, is 32 teams the way to fix it? I mean, I, I think that's the, the, the lesser of, of the evils at the minute, probably. I mean, there's other ways you could do it. You could say, right, we'll have 20 teams and we'll mm-hmm. have four groups of five and the, the top two go through. That might lead to a couple of dead rubbers. Uh, obviously, you know, not every match day would... Every match day you'd have one team not playing. Um that's how the, the Rugby World Cup does it. Uh, I mean, I, I, you'll never hear me say football should follow rugby in any <laughs> other context. Um I mean, fundamentally, we had a, a tournament that was perfect. 16 teams is perfect. Four groups of four, top two, And, and like the games, straight away, they're all like France-Germany, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, and there's an incredible level of, of quality. 
Uh, and occasionally you did get smaller teams got through. So, you know, Latvia getting there in, in 2004 was a, was a great story for Latvia. You had Slovenia had got there in, in 2000. So smaller nations can get there. But I, I guess then, you know, you have this fundamental question, what is a tournament for? Uh, if it's to determine who is the best team in Europe, well, you'd probably just play home and away on the league system and that wouldn't have the same appeal. Is it for spreading the game as far as possible and letting every nation have a feel of being in a tournament? And, well, okay, well, let's let's have all 55 there. Let's just have one enormous tournament. That doesn't feel right either. It's some kind of compromise between the two. And the other fact, and it, it's it's slightly different this time around because obviously the pandemic has changed everything mm. and, and the fact mm. it's spread across Europe has, has, has changed everything. But what was nice about that 16-team format was most countries could host it, or at least they could, in partnership with a neighbour, could host it. Um, so your Austria-Switzerland 2008 was a great tournament. As a journalist, I could get very... I was based in Bern, but I could get to all four Swiss venues and Innsbruck very, very easily. Hmm. And so you could go to a lot of football. And from a fan's point of view, you're ensconced in one country or two countries and you share that and you meet fans from other nations in those countries. So you get a tour and you meet sort of like-minded people in that kind of hub of that country or those two countries, which is is what a tournament ultimately is. Yeah, and I'm sure anybody who's been to a tournament, the Hmm. things you, you... Obviously, you'll remember the football, but you'll also remember just the... The, the nights out you have all the yeah. times you just bump into people so from Russia I remember like, every restaurant you went into there were Peruvian people <laughs> like, there, I think there were 40 odd thousand Peruvians mm. made the trip to Russia um, and all they did was eat and drink like yeah. being being a Peruvian fan looked brilliant um, oh, I remember you know, one of one of my fondest memories in Russia I took the train from it would have been from uh, Nizhny Novgorod to Kazan the night of Russia v Egypt and there was a Russian lad who was able to get the game on his phone and there's about 20 people crowded around watching the game on his phone. And that, and everyone was, you know, in whatever languages we knew was was sort of talking about the game. And that was this great sense of football coming together. Or, um, and if a host nation really gets behind it, I, I remember I was in Rancagua in 2015 for Copa America in Chile. Rancagua, although it happened to be where England were based in uh, 1962, it's a tiny place. It's a, it's a mining town in it's about an hour outside Santiago. And it appeared nothing exciting had happened in Mancagua at all between 1962 <laughs> and 2015. So we turned up off, off a train from from Santiago and there were volunteers there sort of, you saw your lanyard. Basically, if you had a lanyard, you, you were in clover. They were giving you drinks and carrying your bags. And they'd... Um, they got a load of kids, a load of Down, Down Syndrome kids wearing chef's uniforms, handing out biscuits they made. It was just a lovely touch that the whole kind of, the whole town coming together to celebrate this event. Mm. And it feels to me that's when you have these enormous tournaments where only the biggest countries can host them, only the biggest cities can host host games, you lose a lot of that that sense of community, which is what makes tournaments special. Like yeah. I was saying about 2026, it's not me totally agreed, but 48 teams, this is a Canada, USA, Mexico, might have 16 groups of three. There might be a group P, you know. <laughs> How far down can you go? Group P? Group you know, not even in a tournament if you're in group P. But, I mean, that, that's, that's not really the, the issue with that. The issue there is if it's the top two to go through into a round of 32, then there's a lot of scope for sure. the teams playing the last group game for collusion. Yeah. Yeah. As in 82. As in 82. Which we feared, Jesse, in Austria, we expected the um, the disgrace of Hee-Hong, didn't we, to be repeated in that game. But it, it was an uncharacteristically of, interesting performance yeah. from Austria. Austria <laughs> decided to go and win it, much to the annoyance of uh, of Ukraine. But, I mean, it, yeah, England could... If it, if, if, if it hadn't been for previous results, if we hadn't known England and Czech Republic were already through, they could have played out a draw today to 
Yeah, make sure that the day both went through and uh, Scotland and Croatia definitely didn't. Yeah, and that's that's a that's a problem with the format. Who are your finally, Jonathan? Who are your um, winners of this tournament? France, really boringly. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Italy have been. Um, I expected them to be quite good. They've been a lot better than I expected them to be. So Italy looked the closest challenges. But France, just the depth they have, the tournament knowledge they have, the solidity they have, I, I find it very hard to look beyond them. England, Scotland, and Wales. Then, do you see? How do you? Where do you see those faring? Um, I think it's. I mean, Scotland might get through. I guess it's a fifty-fifty call. Mm. Um, it's very hard. I think, given the way the draw is, to see either England or Scotland going further. Uh, Wales um, possibly have a chance to get into the quarters. I think you know, it's it's not the worst draw, but I mean, you know, Denmark have yeah. that, that great momentum, that head of steam. They're sort of they're the the um, yeah the the popular team now, aren't sure. they? And I, I you know I think. I mean, both the way they played against Belgium and then the way they finished against Russia, mm. there is that great sense of momentum. And I think they're actually playing better now uh, than they... I mean, remember them in the Nations League when they were solid and a yeah. bit, bit uninspiring. They look better now. They've, getting Dam scored into the team, I think, has given them an extra... Uh, yeah, his dribbling ability has given them something a bit extra going forward. Um, but they do have that 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 sense of something, some greater purpose, which... As we know, absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's going to be hard for Wales. Up, but you know, it's only Denmark. It's not. Yeah, not, not no, it's true. It should, as I say, I think it's going to be a really good game. So uh, that's that's one of the good things about that draw. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. It's Denmark who will go through. It's second place in Group B. It's been an outstanding performance on and off the field. The dark days of that opening game. Are behind them now. You wonder how far this Danish side can go. Full time at the Parkin Stadium. Believe me, it's party time in Copenhagen tonight. It's Russia 1, Denmark 4. That's our commentator, Mark Wilson, on the final whistle last night over on uh, TalkSport 2. And um, we're going to speak now to a man who was in the stadium last night watching that all unfold. Uh, it's uh, journalist Christian Volney. Good afternoon, Christian. Good afternoon, gentlemen. So where does that sit in epic nights of Danish football? You've witnessed quite a few over the years and have had some big moments, but where does that one sit for you? Well, the the golden oldies here talk about that this, this could actually match the legendary night in 85 when Denmark beat the former Soviet Republic with 4-2. It's up there. So 30 years, biggest event in 30 years, um, judging from the people who, who lived them both. You took that video of... Um... You took a video of, of when the players and the manager were looking at their phone in, to, the, huddle, to, in yeah. the huddle to see when they, you know, that they had actually qualified. It was a wonderful moment, wasn't it? Yeah, and I spoke to the, the team lead afterwards. Uh, it was his phone they were holding and he couldn't get internet connection, so they, they were a bit late. <laughs> but in the end, he got the message and, and it was a beautiful moment because, of course, they needed to know, even if they felt that everything was good, um, they still needed Belgium to win and, and get the confirmation before they knew that they achieved what what they wanted to so um, it was a it was kind of a, an extra joy on a, on a beautiful night I mean I think everybody outside of Russia was was willing them to to win and, and, and progress last night because of what happened to Christian Eriksen and the reaction to that and the way they were made to play that uh, game straight afterwards um, I mean I, I take it that the Danish nation is is feeling the love a little bit is it because because of that there's a an, an tremendous pride here. Um, and it's not just because the, the team has won. It's also because they won the, the respect and the love from so many other countries. And, and we feel it here. And it, it means something. We're a small country. And normally we really care what other things think about us. But in this case, the love has been felt. And it, it means a lot, not just to the players, but to everyone here. Um, so 
I think you're right, and I think it's it's become very clear and obvious that that this has become a story and a scenario that people are following around the world, and and um, it just makes everything stronger here. And and it, you know, and it is. People have said it before. It's bigger than football. It doesn't. It almost doesn't matter. You know, if you won yesterday but hadn't gone through, it probably wouldn't have mattered. If you win against Wales, it, it probably doesn't matter. And in that way, you sort of sense that this team are kind of liberated in that sense. But that's what we've been telling each other here that we've won even if we lose. Um, and in that case, you 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 guarantee that it will be a good ending no matter what. But for the coach and for the players, they needed to win. They needed to qualify. They wanted to to do it. And and um, when it happened yesterday, it was just a huge relief. And I, uh, two hours after the match, you still heard the music from the dressing room. No one had come out yet. It was, and the training today has been cancelled. <laughs> the press uh, activities have been delayed six hours. So I think they were, <clears throat> they deserved the celebration. I know they have one. And uh, all roads lead to Christian Eriksen. Where do they play the next game? Amsterdam sure. Arena, where he pl- where he where his, his professional career took off. Yeah, it's kind of a. Um, it's kind of following his tracks, isn't it? Um, who knows if, if we'll end up at Wembley at some point where he also used to play at a season. So, who knows? Yeah. So, um, it, was the, it was the performance. It wasn't, look, it was, it, they were great goals and it was a great performance and it built on what they did against Belgium. And again, I think it was a great deal of sympathy for going out against one of the big hitters of the tournament, coming so close, doing such a good job, still not getting the result. And I think that, that led to a lot of people feeling you know, that Denmark did deserve something from this tournament and a chance to progress in it? I think, I think you're right. And I think um, when we spoke to the players and the coach in between the Belgian match mm-hmm. and the Russia match, they all felt that they were going to do this. They all felt because of the performance against Belgium that the performance is there, that the level is there. Mm-hmm. Now it's just about getting the goals. And they never really doubted, even if it looked, I mean, the odds were against Denmark. Even if they won, they still need results elsewhere. But it's the, the, the belief in this team, if they lost their best player and even if, if they had this traumatic uh, experience, the belief is strong. And, and they said it before the tournament, they think they can win it. And now, even if you lose Christian Eriksen, there's something different now. There's, there's something new because of what they've been through and because of the support and the love. There is something strong in this team and I think they have a renewed sense that this, they can go far. And what was the biggest noise? Was it with the Christensen goal? Was it when you, they found out that Belgium had actually scored? What was the biggest noise in the stadium last night? It, it kind of all came at the same time. Um, <laughs> scored, Belgium scored, and just before that, there was there was the opposite reaction because uh, Russia had a very doubtful penalty, which came just two seconds after the Belgium goal was was cancelled in in Russia. So you had these two things within five minutes. But I think the biggest cheer was when when Denmark scored 3-1 and then you heard Belgium was up 1-0 and this time VAR didn't interfere. And from that, there on, it was just one big party. Uh, finally, uh, Danish fans or Welsh fans, sadly, won't be able to travel to uh, Amsterdam for the game. But uh, you as a working journalist, will you can can you get there or not? Well, it's still up for, it's still a question mark because uh, today we just heard that this... Um, well, you guys are not in it anymore because you chose to leave, but there is some kind of European Union... Um, decision being made on Saturday that if you have a corona passport, which means that you're either vaccined or can be proof that prove that you already had it, you're allowed to travel uh, within the, the European Union from Saturday. And if that comes through, then, well, we can go. Um, right now, 25,000 Danish people are waiting to get a ticket. <laughs> and um, we've heard that the, the shirts, the national team shirts, even if you produce twice as many as they normally do, it's completely sold out. So um, many people want to go. Many people will go if they're allowed to, so let's see what happens. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. 
from TalkSport. Good afternoon, it's Paul Hawksby and Max Rushton here on TalkSport, continuing the build-up to tonight's Euro 2020 games involving England and Scotland, both of which are on the TalkSport network. Now, uh, Max, as we were just saying before, Fletch brought the news and sport, uh, a team has been leaked. I mean, I think the leak last week was pretty spot-on, wasn't it? Yeah, this is from Matt Law in The Telegraph, uh, saying the team is Pickford in goal, a back four of Walker, Stones, Maguire and Shaw, Rice and Phillips in front of them, Sterling, Grealish and Saka. Saka mm-hmm. coming off the right then with Harry Kane up front. Yeah. I mean, my first question is quite interesting. Is you know the league was accurate. I was, I was, uh, I think I was just before I went on air at Wembley before the Croatia game saying yeah. Trippier's left back, and everyone's like, "Where's that come from?" And we mm. just discussed that a lot. Obviously, saying we might be wrong, but it does seem strange that these teams keep leaking out. Yeah. It seems like not a sensible idea to keep. The, to get the, to have the teams keep leaking out, who's leaking the team? Surely they'd know. say somebody. This I, is the team, but please what, don't tell anyone because what often happens is that uh, someone someone's, their mum, someone's got a mate in the squad, and they say, "Are oh, you playing? Yeah, I'm playing. What about you? Yeah, he's playing as well." And in the end, it doesn't take long to put sure. the team together, and then it's no, out there. It's a big deal. But Maybe so, the Czech team has been released, and we just aren't quite as obsessed yeah. about who's coming in off the right. Bielsa announced it a week before. I mean, Saka off the right. In 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 the three behind Kane is interesting because he has done that for Arsenal with a, a Bamiang and Lacazette, hasn't he? And he's been, I think, when he's played it, been quite successful. I was just taking a look online, and there was Arsenal fans saying there was one game against Leicester, might have been season even last season, season before last, where he played there and set up a goal and. Uh, the Leicester player was trying to show him thinking going to show him outside so he said alright then I'll go outside putting a perfect cross with his right um, and and Arsenal scored sure. I mean I think some people will be saying you know you're saying there was one game against Leicester yeah, you know, Dortmund know, fans might be saying Jaden Sancho has been doing this I don't want to sound like a on, caller on the right of a three on the right of a three naturally on the right of three yeah, for so yeah, long yeah. what you have to say is we're not at training every day no, we no, don't no. know and managers have their favourites and they don't I really thought it's interesting I'm, I'm pretty sure Saka wasn't even in the 23 because you've got to leave three out haven't you hmm. I'm pretty sure Saka wasn't in the 23 for the Scotland game right Maybe Southgate's looking at this and sort of saying that we we are we are qualified. I would have loved to have seen Sancho there because I think there are lots of fans that haven't watched him at all, and yeah. I, I know that when he's played for England, it hasn't been he hasn't you know hasn't lit up for England yet. But you know. I saw a conversation on on Sky Germany between some pundits, and and they don't get it. They no. said clearly they've not seen this boy play. And, and Southgate talks about his experience, but he's played more Champions League games than I think, you know, if you add up half yeah. the players, you know, mm. obviously more than Pickford and, you know, more than Rice and Phillips and of Saka. course, you know, and yeah, and Saka, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so, he, yeah, I, I, listen, I, I think it's quite interesting. I'm glad Grealish yeah. looks like he's starting in the 10, I think is interesting. And I like Saka as a player and he's a good supplier line. I do and agree he should, with you. If, if Kane makes those runs that we hope he, he can make, then I think Saka's a, a good player to supply yeah. them. You know, so, so it's coming home is what you're well, saying. Well, that's what I'm, what I'm definitely saying is it's coming home. Um, we asked you earlier on off the back of a story from the world of rugby, Tom Youngs has been fined uh, and uh, has got a suspension um, for having a go at a referee, swearing and saying that this referee was, wasn't strong enough. Um, but the, the, the interesting part of the punishment was that they said he had to do a referee's course to get a feel for what officials go through. And he had to referee two kids' games. We mm. thought, what an interesting punishment. So you've told us this afternoon about some of the interesting punishments you were you handed out or were given. Yeah, Mark says, my favourite was at school when a passing teacher pulled someone out of a rowdy class before the class teacher arrived, made him take his chair, put it in the middle of an empty schoolyard and pretend to row for 10 minutes <laughs> on his chair. 
Andy in East Dulwich, uh, Liverpool and Wigan uh, rugby fan, says, Me and a friend accidentally knocked an old lady down the stairs on a school trip to a Catholic retreat in Keswick. We were banned from going to the chippy that night and had to write an essay on manners. I've had impeccable manners ever since, and I'm really out the chippy, says Andy. So thank you for that. The old lady was all right. Um, I'm from Tim. My mate was caught smoking, the sort of classic one, at the age of 14. His dad made him smoke a pack of cigars as a punishment. He now smokes cigars. <laughs> See, that's not... That, that, really, that badly backfired, didn't it? There was one particularly bad one coming... But there was one you brought us earlier really, on, wasn't there? It's a really grim one, yes. Yeah. Your story of being made to stand with a beanbag on your head in the 80s is a punishment that wouldn't happen now. Pales into insignificance compared to an event that happened at my grammar school in 1957. The major enforcer of discipline was an ex-Royal Marine who headed the woodwork department. A boy in the year ahead of me started to grow sideburns. Teddy boys were all the rage. He was told to shave them off. He didn't. One morning, the ex-Marine grabbed him, dragged him into the woodwork workshop and had him held by the chair with his cronies and then shaved his sideburns off with a chisel. Nothing happened. A chisel. I mean, you got to say, you know, <laughs> when people say, ah, oh, it's not like it used to be, well, good. Yeah, you, know? just, you can't be taking people's Blimey, sideburns off with prison a chisel. For that. Yeah. Different times, kids. That wouldn't happen. Yeah. Don't anyway. chisel... Don't chisel your bodies. That's yeah, the, if you learn nothing from today's show, that's the don't advice. Don't do anything on a human being with a chisel. Correct. So, um, if you take nothing away from today's show. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Now, you can't beat a, a quirky tournament story. So we end today with that um, and, you know, sort of flush with the, the enthusiasm and the joy of seeing uh, his nation uh, back in a major tournament. Uh, David Little from Glasgow, a, a Scotland fan, uh, decided to go on a bit of a quest. Um, he decided to visit... Uh, a street uh, featuring the names of all the players in the Scotland squad. It's a ni- quite a nice montage, I can. In front yeah. Of me. It, it, um, and yes, joining us now, David Little. Good afternoon, David. Good afternoon. Hello. So, uh, w- what was the kind of springboard for this? What was that? What, what made you think this would be a good idea? 
Um, oh, um, I'm not sure if it was a good idea or not. But, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I was in the the idea came to me when I uh, was in in Glasgow city centre and I passed by Robertson Street, mm-hmm. and then I the idea just kicked off from there. So you said I want to visit. So you took a picture of Robertson Street. Robertson Street said, "Now we're going to get uh, go to a street featuring the names of all uh, the 26 squad players." Yeah, exactly. And I was initially going to just keep it in Glasgow and uh, just get all the players I could in Glasgow. But then I thought that's not very fair, missing a few players out. So I, I uh, travelled as as far as it took to get a street for every player. All right. Who was the hardest one to get? I mean, did you decide to do this before the twenty six, and you were you were waiting for the twenty six to come out and just say, like, I hope they're all, hope every Robertson's picked. I don't want you know, <laughs> I don't want a tough one. What was the toughest name to get? Um. Well. Uh, there was a few tough ones. I had to take a train down to Stoke for four. That was, yeah. So Tierney Street and Hanley Street and Cooper Road were all in Stoke. So th- okay. those were the tough ones. So that's good. You managed to go to Stoke, but get a few in, in Stoke. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, all I could, if I could get it in Stoke, if I couldn't get it in Glasgow, Edinburgh or the Central Belt, uh, luckily, there, there was a few in Stoke, so that was right. quite awesome. Who knew Stoke was the, the, the play? Did you do anything else in Stoke or just go, right, Street 1, Street 2, Street 3, home? Yeah, it was pretty much Street 1, Street 2, Street 3, home. Uh, <laughs> yeah, then there wasn't a lot of sightseeing or anything. Did you get any funny looks or, or I wonder why you... No, no one will know what he's doing. They probably thought it was from the council. <laughs> yeah, Some no, people got... said it was about time they changed that street <laughs> sign, yeah. <laughs> I got plenty of funny looks taking selfies in the corner of McKenna Drive or somewhere like that. Yeah, it was it was some strange, strange places to take. And when, when when they asked you, did you say, oh, yeah, I'm a Scotland fan. I've come down to take photographs of every street name in the Scotland. Did you explain to anybody while you were there? Uh, nobody nobody really asked. They, <laughs> they just, uh, That's a quite a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't, do you often go up to people in the street, Paul, and ask them what they're doing here? Yeah. <laughs> just leave them to it. Well, I suppose <laughs> if I was, I'm not, I'm not that inquisitive, but there are. Well, if you see someone in your street taking a picture of uh, the street signs and taking selfies with the street, you immediately think local authority. What are they going to They're going to be digging up the road next week. Yeah, you know, possible. where am I going to park my car? That's a good point. You get a bit nimby about uh, where, where, it. Where do, you, where do you take this now, David? Do you, do you get on the list of every single Scottish footballer of all time and try yeah. and complete the entire set? I know it's a good question. Um, I I had to um, cheat for McGinn Street. There was no McGinn Street or McTominay Street in uh, in Glas in uh, anywhere in the UK I could find except McGinn Street. There was one in Northern Ireland, so maybe maybe uh, I'll go over there. Right. If you're going to do this properly, if you're going to yeah. do it properly, you might, you know, there's you no point. Commit. You've exactly. got to commit, David, for goodness sake. Exactly, I know. Uh, and exactly. Ma- 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 no McTominay Ma- 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 <laughs> no Gardens. Um, I know. That's I know. I think he needs a street named after him when when we. Well, uh, yeah. If they win the Euro yeah, in Scotland, then they're all going to get a street named after him, and this will be yeah. this will be a doddle, won't it? Probably about ten yards from your house, you'll be able to do the lot. So when they yeah. rename roads in honour, there's a there's a McGinn Hill in Vermont, which is yeah. uh, sort of near Indian Lake. I think the nearest city yeah. you can get is sort of I think Ireland's Ireland's, Ireland's closer. Yeah, that's true, but yeah, this could be a more fun adventure, couldn't it? Once you've done it in McTominay hmm. Road, I'm just putting I'm in. I'm sure Google you've done maps. all of this. McTomin- I have. I've done. Yeah. I can't find any McTominay. Okay. Oh. Well, if, uh, so I did Scott Street for that one. 
Yeah, okay. Right, well, if somebody is living in Alaska and they and they live in McTominay Road, do let us know and we'll pass it on to David. What about tonight, then? Let's move on to the football. How confident are you? You're a young Scotland fan. You haven't felt the pain of all those near misses, have you? So you're feeling quite optimistic. Uh, I felt plenty of pain for the, for the near misses, <laughs> but... Um... Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling optimistic. I, I think we can get a result tonight, and uh, they know what they have to do. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, where where are you watching? Uh, I'll be at a, a a pub with a couple of friends. Okay, fair enough. I'm just googling like McTominay Aqueduct. Yeah, we've lost <laughs> him now. Have you found one McTominay Falls? I McTominay, McTominay Falls, and it just had Wembley Stadium. I don't know if he fell over on Friday night, but that's the, <laughs> that's what I've got. Well, I'll, I'll keep. I've got something to do now between now and kickoff, haven't I? Yes, yeah, good. Keep to, you busy, uh, just to keep me busy. Well, well done, David. Good work, and uh, enjoy the match tonight. Great, thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, David. David Little there from Glasgow went in search of all 26 uh, squad members. So, you know, it's nice to have a bit of a quirky story. Something to do, isn't it? You've got nothing to do, why not? So this evening, what do you think, Max? What are you going to go and stick your neck? Go for a score. What do you think? Well, I was saying to you off air, the trouble is, right, I'm watching the game, but I'm watching social media at the same time, which is my first mistake. So five minutes in, someone's already angry that, you know, someone's... Played either played a long ball or yeah. hasn't played a long ball. There's someone angry that we haven't knocked it long. There's someone angry that the, we've kept possession. So I'm just so, so I tell everyone to relax and be patient. Then by about 70 minutes, I'm getting impatient myself. But I can't give I can't let anyone know that I've got impatient. So I end up just getting annoyed with people who are impatient. So well, I might keep just, off social I'm media. Gonna keep, I mean, it's a In, lesson for life, isn't it? Enjoy the I'm game. Just gonna enjoy the game. Put your phone believe, down. I think we'll win. And, 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 and the thing about planning for the group is you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Portugal no. could beat. France. Hungary could beat Germany. Yeah. You don't know. Let's go out there, be positive. If you're in the stadium, support the team. Yeah, get behind the advice. lads. Get behind in both them. stadiums. Absolutely. In, enjoy the games tonight. Myself and Max will be back uh, from uh, one tomorrow. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Well, there we are. That was this afternoon's show. We're back tomorrow. We'll be pouring over those results, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, what a wonderful, what a wonderful evening. A 3-0 victory for England. Yeah. A hat-trick for Harry Kane. Scotland, Scotland that last-minute winner yeah. from Lyndon Dykes. Perfect. Yeah, that's it. And we'll all be uh, in a very happy mood. We'll Revelling. three home nations yeah. through uh, when you hear from us tomorrow. Fingers crossed. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.